Welcome to Airship 3. Passenger unrecognized. Please speak to register voice into system. Good to be back. Bah. Voice recognized. Welcome back, Mr. Slylak. Would you like to hear the safety features of this airship? No, that's not necessary. Airship safety disclaimer. Start. Bah. God damn it. Warning. The Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger passengers of this airship. Listener distraction is advised. Bah. Please be advised that spoilers for many anime may occur, so if you're not caught up with any anime, we may discuss please be prepared for spoilers. If unable to become aware, National Defense Force earmuffs and eye shields may be available. If this is inadequate, please ask for a medical transfer to the research tower. Bah. Okay, is that all the safety features that we have to go through? Please remember, opinions expressed are the individual passengers and captains on this airship, and do not reflect the Dubhawk podcast as a whole. Apparently not. Safety features have been stated. Would you like me to repeat again? Bah. No, no, no. We, we don't need to repeat this all over again. Uh, let's just start the episode, shall we? Bah. Initiating episode. Project Carnival. Start. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of carnies get together under the big top and discuss the latest and greatest in English dubs. My name is Stephanie? Now I'm fucking with you. My name is Megan, and I'm joined tonight by my wife, Lilac. Woo! At least if you ask my mom, we are. <laughs> At least if you ask Megan's mom, apparently. We're married now. <laughs> We're married now. The wedding, the wedding is optional. Bring cake. And money. <laughs> Especially money. Money. We want to pay off our debts. And cats. Lots of cats. Lots of cats. Anyway, this week we're taking a break from all that seasonal stuff going on, and we wanted to discuss a show that's been tossed around between us since the podcast got started. Yeah! Plus, we totally needed something to put up in a week, because Steph likes consistency, damn it! And the one-week thing is going so well! <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting up about these monsters' attacks lately. <laughs> I'm trying to read the script! <laughs> I'm sorry, I wrote this. We weren't sure if it was me or her. So she's reading the intro. I wrote. <laughs> Welcome to Airship Derp. <laughs> Tonight we go rob Manglobe's grave and talk about the 2013 series Carnival. If you haven't heard of this series, probably because Gigi is hiding it from all of existence. Here's a quick summary. <laughs> Gigi hates this show. Gigi hates this show. So we've distracted her with a box of wine and a body pillow of naked JJ. <laughs> so here's a plot summary that we've happened to grab from the crusty hands of the Manglobe ghost. Nye searches for someone important to him, with only an abandoned bracelet as a clue. Garicky sticks and pit sticks and I, I can read! I can read! Not well, but I can read! And those letters are backwards! <laughs> Garky steals and pickpockets to get by from day to day. The two meet in a strange mansion where Anastasia Munoz tries to eat Nye. <laughs> they are set up and soon become wanted criminals by the military security operatives. 
When Nai and Garaki find themselves in a hopeless predicament, they encounter none other than the country's most powerful organization, Circus. Circus is a defense organization that works for the government. I don't know where they get any money. They perform raids to capture criminals and solve crimes that the security force otherwise cannot handle. After their raids, they put on shows as an apology for scaring the citizens, doing one better than the Avengers. We don't want to talk about a DC-driven circus. <laughs> their, their group consists of the strongest and most capable fighters that use a separate, a special type of bracelet known as a circus ID to fight. <laughs> this episode is starting so well! After a great start, folks. Oh. Keep this going for a couple hours. By the end of this, you're going to want to draw us as Hirito and Tsukitachi. It's clear that Lilac is Hirito because she's the smart one. <laughs> Can as... we have that, please? That'd please. Awesome. Please. Except for she gets the rabbits and I get the sheep because I think sheep are cooler. Anyways, as I with like the rabbits, so I'll take them. I, I can't brush my fur. <laughs> Fresh me. No. Anyway, as uh, always with our top reviews, we're going to be covering the casting of major players in the series, going over our thoughts on performances and talking about our overall thoughts on the dub as a whole. We've got some we've got a lot of ground to cover and not enough elephants to pull up our tents. So <laughs> let's start off with the director and the writers. Writers in this as case, in plural. And, oh dear Jesus, here we go. <laughs> Starting off with the director, we have one Mr. Christopher Bevins, who directed series such as Terror and Resonance, Gangsta, and Harmony. And on the writing strings, we have a duo that makes oh. Jet shit himself and have a conniption. <laughs> yes. Brace yourselves, children. Ugh. I don't know if we can, have... I don't know if they'll handle it. Okay. Okay, in all fairness, both of these gentlemen do have stuff that they've written that is very well done. Yes. But they've earned a bit of a reputation among them both. We have J. Michael Tatum and Tyson Reinhardt. For things that J. Michael Tatum has written, he has written Assassination Classroom, Octa 13, and Attack on Titan. For Tyson Reinhardt, he has written everyone's favorite, like, novel harem series Neto J and there goes Roots in the Corner and, her. and it is a little ball he's also written for Tokyo Ravens and Brave Witches um so in terms of directing and writing how do we feel oh god god I'll say this direction wise this show has a really strong casting and direction to it. Yeah, I can totally agree with that because a lot of the casting when we go through it, it's a lot of it's well-known actors, but in roles you normally don't expect them to be in. Yeah, this is a dub that legitimately takes risks with its casting. There are a couple of them that when we get to them, I would say are a little bit more conventional. But, for the most part, Bevins did a really good job casting the show and giving really good voice direction. Mm -hmm. um, I would say there's maybe one character I have active issues with, and we'll get to him later on. But uh, that, one, that one character, I know you're talking about that, which one you are. 
I don't really have like outstanding issues, but I can. St there are small there are problems I do have with it. There are certain elements that come up as the end of the series unfolds, and um. As you, or if you're smart enough during the series, you can kind of pick up on what they are. But that character is its own it's bag it's of its fun. It's its own problem. <laughs> yeah, it's its own problem. And and it, it, again, this is a Man Globe series, so any hopes of this getting a sequel are basically slim to none unless another studio would come in and pick up on it. Though I wouldn't mind seeing MAPPA throw their hand. Mm. Into the ring because I feel like Mappa would be a fun studio to pick this up with all the color work and all the Mappa out there designs. What? Mappa would be a fun studio if they were to yeah do a reboot of this. However, there is a very, very, very large open target on this show. The writing is terrible. Yeah. That is this. If I have any problem with this this dub in its entirety, it's the goddamn writing. Yeah, the, saying that the writing on this show it's not the worst I've seen or covered for this podcast. I mean, for God's sakes, I've had to fucking watch Dramatical Murders dub, and that was awful. Yep. yep. In terms of writing, but oh lord, where do we start? Oh god, how about a sob? Ass clown. Clown. What else? What is? What is another uh, line that was uh, Wine like a bitch, get hit like a bitch. Come on, girls, you're both pretty. pretty. Okay, I did laugh at that though. That was kind of funny. That, was, that funny, was funny, but, but here, but still, ah, uh, uh, it's been a while since I've run into a badly like a not so woke written show. It's been a while. It's frustrating, especially especially because on the Tatum end because I. The past couple of shows I've watched where Tatum has written stuff has been phenomenal. That being like Akka in 91 Days. But then I come back to this, which was a few years ago, and I'm like, no! Yeah, that's the thing. No. Is like I specifically mentioned Akka for Tatum because it was a Tatum and uh, Bevins show where Bevins directed and Tatum wrote for it. Yep. Um, I believe Tyson Reinhardt and Brave Witches is another. Yeah, but I haven't Be watched Brave. I have not watched Brave Witches yet. I have not either. Uh, I should because I actually myself enjoy Strike Witches. Um, but I mean, like, we've all kind of seen. I mean, even with Neto J, there were some shit in Neto J that fucking drew me up a wall. Bad, Bad Mama Jamma Hamma. But I mean, like. And, and this is my thing, too, is after I watched the, the anime all the way through, I actively started picking up the manga for this that's released by Yen Press. Mm -hmm. And there is high or hair of Garaki cursing or someone like Sukitachi uh, saying, like, come on, girls, you're both pretty, to Akari and... What the hell is his name? Akari and Hirato. I think my main issue with the show, it's it's not a hundred percent the swearing. Like there was, it was a lot of cursing. Like occasionally, that's fine. I don't mind. But when you start using things like sob and going into like modern slang and terminology, 
that's the bigger issue I have, because there's a lot of modern slang terminology. And for, like, an alternate universe kind of situation show like this, I don't really think it fits the world. It doesn't really fit the context and the content for me. And it kind of just really pushes me off. Like, because this is the, actually the first time I've watched the dub. I have seen the show when it was when it was um, simulcasting a few years back. But this is the first time I'm actually listening and watching the dub and seeing the show again for the first time. And I just could not stand the writing. And it's so rare for me to be so bothered by it. Yeah, honestly, for her especially it is. I mean, the first time I watched the simulcast, what, not the simulcast, the dub, was maybe just after we had started doing dub talk. Mm -hmm. So it, it's been about two years. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, like, it's not, it, again, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. But when I had actually called her and I said, okay, what do you want me to listen for? And she goes, just listen for all the slang and all this stuff. And I realized, like, once she had told me to pay attention for it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is really weird. Because a lot of it is specifically directed onto Garaki mm -hmm. and uh, Sukitachi, yep. to be fair. That's, that's, and, the that's where the majority of it comes from, to be fair. There are other characters that have those moments, but Sukitachi and Garaki are the two and big ones. And the big thing is, too, is that they have direct foils as characters. Hiroto to Tsukitachi and uh, Yogi to Garaki. Yep. And I feel like if you're, to me at least as a fan, it feels like you're not understanding the two characters if you have to resort to that to tell the differences between them. I think their personalities in themselves yep. speak volumes. And especially for Garaki, who does go through arguably the largest character development in all of the show, yep. um, it's, it is really distracting. And it's really distracting from said actor's performance. Especially in a show where, like the both of us have said, the directing isn't too conventional. And while there are a lot of really big-named people in here, they aren't used in the way that you would necessarily associate them with at the time that this dub came out. Yeah, and if there, if the writing hadn't taken me out so much with all of the modern terminology and slang that was written in there, I really would have gotten more enjoyment from the show itself and the English dub. Because I would have been able to pay more attention to those unconventional choices in casting and their performances. But here I am, stuck with writing that's really taking me out of the show as a whole. And so it makes it very difficult for me to really pay attention to these performances and these characters. And because I will be brutally honest when I have to be. Hence my outburst originally when we got to this subject. And... It has been a long time since I've run into a show that I really dislike the writing on. Because a lot a lot of the simul doves and the home video releases I've seen in the past probably six to eight months or so, I've enjoyed immensely. I haven't run into really any issues or really nitpick, needed to nitpick anything. But I have not had your luck. <laughs> no, you have not. I have not had your luck. You've been watching trash. 
But um, no, not even trash. I just happen to get unstuck on the shows that are just happen to have immense fan scrutiny. Is the way we'll say it. Fair, but the fact that the writing really took me out of the show, the show and dub as a whole, I personally, I think it's a rather large problem to me, and it kind of, and it really did affect my entire watching experience. That being said. The dub for Carnival, what? It was probably released 2014? 2013, 2014, yeah. The show was, like, spring 2013, so I would say at least a year. It's probably about 2014. Yeah, it's now currently, unfortunately, on the save label, which is really sad because it is an enjoyable anime. It is an enjoyable anime, even though the story itself has its own flaws. Yeah, in the sense that it's a read-the-manga ending. And I have read the manga, and it's actually really good. Because yeah. there's a lot of things that come up that have, don't get explained, but you're still enjoying yourself enough. Because it's really colorful and really interesting. Yeah. But to give some credit here, because the point I'm trying to make is, this dub came out probably about 2014 or so. I've seen at least one of these writers, I've seen them do a lot better. The other one, I haven't seen enough of their writing to really say if they've been better or worse. To be fair, Netoge wasn't the worst thing in the world that Tyson has done. That show is a piece of trash to begin with. (laughs) Honestly, if anything, Tyson Reinhardt fucking made that more enjoyable. Exactly. The English dub of Netoge makes the show more enjoyable. It's so tolerable. But yeah, like, just to be fair... Like, these, these two writers at least have had opportunities to write better shows. And they have grown shows. as writers. They have. I have to give them credit where credit is due in that regard and not just say, hey, this thing's a piece of shit. Um, yeah. But I mean, kind of, it's, an, it's an interesting progression, progression when you think about that, though, going from a script for, like, this show and then going into, let's let's say in Tatum's case, like 91 Days, Akka, Assassination Classroom did have its moments where it kind of backtracked a little bit, but it was still then, I never really noticed it in Assassination Classroom, because again, it was still really, really enjoyable, where it didn't bother me as much. I mean, Uh, there's the thing, the moment we will not talk about with somebody, with Tyson, mm -hmm. but I would still even say from there, they both improved in the last four years. Yeah, sorry. Two to to three years. Actually, if I recall correctly, Tatum and Tyson were the writers for Attack on Titan. Yes, they were. Both. So, yeah. uh, So, I can say I've seen something aside from Netuge that's moderately more (laughs) well-written that Tyson has done. But, um, yeah, just just to be fair, just because I'm, like, really criticizing heavily on the writing of the show doesn't mean that everything that they've done is shit. Because, again, they've they have progressed, and they and we have seen better written shows from each of them. And I have to give credit where credit is due there. It's just, writing this. here took me out so bad, and it bothers me. And there, and, and to be fair, there are other writers that we genuinely enjoy that have fucked shit up. Yep. I mean, I have genuinely enjoyed stuff that Jamie Markey's written, but I'm not a really big fan of the writing on Dragon Maid, personally. And I mean, I've enjoyed things that... Clint Bickham has written, but Ultimate Otaku Teacher is also a thing, so... Yeah, so it's not like we're we're like being like, oh, we're gonna play favorites with people and no. stuff, and and honestly, it, it, it it's not. It's shit happens. Yeah. I Bad mean, again, I will be brutally happen. honest where I need to be. Like, if you, if anyone ever needs, like, brutal honesty from me, 
I'm more than happy to give it. I will give it to people. Yeah, really. Like, I will give Brutal Honestly, honestly to everybody in the, in the Dub Dot crew, too, and they're fine with it. So. She has. Yeah. Like, it, I, I, I think it's probably because I'm used to being honest and open about things, and coming from a theater entertainment kind of background, being critical of stuff, because I'm used to seeing, like, different shows and how they're written and what they go for and the contents, and like, that's the stuff I studied in college! So, that's where my brain and my background is, but, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, directing and on the directing side, I'm fine with, because we had the unven unconventional casting, some of these performances were phenomenal. Yeah, there's some, there's some stuff in here that have, people genuinely rag on these people for some yeah. casting in here, and I'm like, are you fucking high? Yeah, it's insane. I'm like, what? And, and and I will have to say, like, if everyone's kind of got, like, a director that they always don't think of when they talk about who, like, their favorite actor or favorite director is, and I've genuinely enjoyed a lot of Chris Bevan's work over my mm. entire fan life as an anime fan. Like, back when I was getting into anime, um, do you remember when the Funimation channel used to run? I never had the Funimation channel. Okay, look, the Funimation channel ran three fucking shows. And they were Suzuka, Negima, and Spiral. I'm <laughs> not surprised. I have I have a hatred of the show Suzuka because of this. <laughs> I hate Suzuka with a passion. At least you like Fuka though. I didn't watch Fuka. I watched the Fuka bloopers. Oh, you only watched bloopers. I forgot you only watched bloopers. Remember, you you're Maybe fat you and adopted. You might like Fuka, then. You might. I might like Fuka, but my hatred of Suzuka will always fucking live. But, like, <laughs> I, I literally, the first box set, like, the actual, like, first complete series I ever bought was Christopher Bevan's Dove and Spiral. Mm. So, I've genuinely enjoyed a lot of his work. I mean, from, and this is another show that I really like that he's directed. I mean, a lot of people will do rag on this as, like, a bad dub, but I don't think it's that at all. I mean... I've watched stuff like Burst Angel. I've watched Case Closed back in the day. I've watched Duncan Ropa Spiral, like a bunch of stuff that he's done. And I think Chris Bevins is really great. And I like mm -hmm. that he does do stuff that is genuinely unconventional at times. Yeah. I mean, even when we did Akka, I don't think I would have ever expected um, Jason LeBrock to be Lilium in that show. No, yeah. Like, he he's. I, I mean, I've been enjoying a lot of Bevan's dubs recently. Because I can't, I can't keep that far track of how long I've been an anime fan and what dubs and directors I've enjoyed the most. I don't have that bad good of a memory. But... I only especially because especially it's on my shelf. It, yeah, it's really especially in recent years. Like, since doing... Mostly since doing this podcast, but when I was doing anime reviews too, because I would look into like directors and all that stuff. It was really in recent years where I started picking up on things more, and I realized that I've enjoyed a lot of Christopher Bevan's dubs. And yeah, you are right. There are a, a good amount of the shows that he's done. There are a good amount of unconventional choices here. And Fucking Josh as uh, Toyohisa. Toyohisa in Drifters. God, what else do we have? Casting himself as the as one of the leads for Terror and Resonance. Resonance. That's Even Nino. Big... Even Nino was not somebody I would have ever. But Peg Tatum is playing. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, Bevin's just playing, not Tatum. Wrong. Wrong. It's, or it's... like, 
Or like Damon Mills as Damon Mills is like, okay, we have a character like I hate how we're getting off track, but we're talking about Evans is directing. How okay, we have this character that Mamoru fucking Miyano is playing in the Japanese. Yes. Yes. Let's give it to Damon Mills. A gentleman, unless you're, like, super into dubs like we are, the general public isn't going to really take notice of. Yeah. And I really enjoy that about his directing. Like, say what you want about, like, and I always hate this argument. It's like, Funimation always cast the same people. Yeah, well, that's not a, that's not a knock against them. That's a compliment to the directors and actors because they have an impressive, oppressive range as actors and actresses. Yep. But it's also on the directors who know that, hey, I can push my actor to go to this place that they maybe not didn't know what they had in them. Yep. And I feel like Carnival's a really good dub to judge that on, too. Because there are stuff that's in here that is fantastic that you wouldn't think of. So. Oh, absolutely. When we get to probably my favorite character in the yeah, really? fucking show. Oh. Dear sweet baby Jesus. I mean, <laughs> this is the dub that did spawn uh, voice acting black magic as a thing. Oh, that's, um, oh yes, this is. This is. I forgot this was the show. But we've we'll been talking about later. director and writer for almost a half hour. So yeah. let's start getting into some characters. Yeah, so bottom, gonna... so bottom line, directing and the casting side, cool. The writing is probably the weakest element of the dub. <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the low point of a dub that is genuinely pretty good. Oh um... So, we're going to start moving on to characters, and we're going to start off with Pal Paldino, who is a older gentleman who runs a company that may be a front for Kafka, the antagonistic group in this series, and his- gr is his granddaughter? Yes. His granddaughter, Aliska, or Alaska, depending on how you say it. So, Paldino is played by R. Bruce Elliott. And Aliska is played by Tia Ballard. To go over our Bruce Elliott's other roles that you may know him in, he is Sogon Kenzaki in Aquarion Logos, he is Makarov in Fairy Tale, and he is Fei Wong Reed in the Subasa Chronicles series. Um, to which, if you ever just want to watch the good part of Subasa, just watch Tokyo Revelations and be done with it. That's the fun part where everyone starts dying. Um, Wonderful. No, that's the part where uh, Fi gets his eye ripped out and I actively made my friend a shirt uh, when she was younger, when she turned 16, due to a phrase called it's all fun and clamp until somebody loses an eye because inevitably in every clamp franchise, someone loses an eye. <laughs> um, shout out to my other Stephanie. And Tia Ballard plays characters like Beast in Black Buckler. <laughs> I has words. words. There's too many bees in a row, that's why. Beast in Black Butler, Book of Circus, Garm in Garo the Animation, and Hitoe Umemura in Selector Infected We Cross. Or Wixus if you're a fucking dumb American. <laughs> it's pronounced We Cross. Fuck you, Hardy. <laughs> Harvey has literally burned that into my mind. <laughs> yes. Tonight, Megan throws everybody else on the Dub Talk podcast under the airship. <laughs> Listen, we already threw Jet. We already threw Hardy. Who's next? Gigi. Oh, Gigi. Yup. Gigi. Uh, Roots. We already got Roots. Yup. Um, but speaking of performances, I I, I enjoy Palandino as Arbus Elliot is playing an evil old guy. 
because usually when our Bruce Elliott plays an older gentleman, it's usually a nice older gentleman. Yeah. The only thing I kind of wish is that we got to see Paladino a bit more. However, his Cause granddaughter! I was about to say, because Paladino wasn't that memorable to me, honestly. Yeah, honestly, it was like, hey, Bruce, yeah. you busy? So. Tia Ballard, on the other hand. <laughs> oh my, I love Tia Ballard in this. Because I don't think I would have ever remembered that being Tia Ballard. And one of my favorite things is whenever she gets jealous of somebody going near Karaku. Yeah. I believe, she calls, I believe she calls Skuma like a whore or something at one point. She called her a whore! Get that whore away from that Karaku! That was, I think that was, like, episode, like at the end, like, episode, or, like, 12 or something. Yeah, when they, like, knock her out to put her in the reaction. submarine. Was, yeah, because Tia Ballard, like, real, Tia Aliska really, really wants to ride Karaku's dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> she really does. How old is this girl again? I don't know. Like, she's just, please be legal if, when I Google you, Aliska, please be legal. Because I think I read Karaku was 18. Yeah, Karaku was 18, um... Oh god, and I don't even want to know what the age of consent is in this country. Um, <laughs> oh god. Oh uh, lordy. Oh god, she's 14, almost 15. Nope! Nope! Abandoned ship! <laughs> Time to Abort go. mission! We're out! Abort mission! <laughs> abort, abort, quick! <laughs> but yeah, like, she is like... The, the most angry little 14-year-old hellbent on getting- She's the most angry little jailbait. My little jailbait, anger is- anger is magic. Oh, god. Oh, boy. But no, she's really, really good, and I wouldn't have honestly pegged Tia Ballard as this character. Neither would have I, honestly. Because, like, thinking about it as I would have thought about it three years ago, two or three years ago- this is somebody I probably would have pegged maybe, like, Laura Woodhall or Allison Victorin in. Well, probably. Because for me... <laughs> or, like, was, Alexis for me Tipton. it was 2014. It was, um... Is that when Shiki originally came out? Probably. I don't know. I, I still video. haven't watched I think, Shiki. I think that was... No. Oh, Shiki, that's right, because no, Shiki, Shiki came out before hate. that, but it wasn't... But... No, Shiki came out before that, because I remember I'd gotten it before I graduated. <laughs> and... Unfortunately, Megumi. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's like, you me hate and Tia. Tia in that show. That's me and my thought of Tia at that time, and I think it was I think it was long after Carnival that I saw Kamisama Kiss, and obviously that changed my mind. But my mindset at that time was probably Tia Ballard. Oh shit, I don't like her. And that's the thing is, like, literally since then, Tia Ballard, our perception of her has obviously changed. Oh yeah, totally. Um, Honestly, like, now it's like, Tia Ballard's in this show, hell yeah! Tia Ballard's directing this show, hell yeah! <laughs> we love you, Tia. We love you, Tia. But I really enjoyed how she got not only being, like, naive and scared across, but immensely jealous jailbait. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that was phenomenal. She, not only the, the whole jealousy bit, but she is a spoiled little rich girl. Let's, mm -hmm. let's admit that. And that attitude that she carries towards, like, the people that work for her grandfather, that's brought across very well. Especially, can... Uro, mm, especially Uro, who is not paid enough for this job. 
I'm not fair enough to deal with this little fucking brat of a girl. Get Karaku, get What do you mean you failed to get the bitch? Don't pay me enough for this bullshit. I'm not a babysitter, I'm a bishy. Put that, put that little bitch in a sub and send her ass out. We're gonna send her ass to season two. Too bad there is no season two at the end of this water. God, we are petty. We are so petty. Petty. But yeah, I, I I really got a kick out of Tia um, as Aleska. I really did, because not only did she have the zombie ritual personality, but all the jealous bits. Ooh, that was the best. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, so are we good talking about Palandino and, and Aleska? Aleska? I think so. Yes. All right. So let us move on now to uh, Kiharu. Kagari and Uro. They are the Varuga, or the monstrous beings that Circus hunts down, that work for Palandino and... And there's some secrets and things going secret on. Secret monstery things. Which we so, never really find out what the hell was in the basement, by the way. That kind of bugs me. <laughs> give it a couple years and Aaron and the gang will figure it out. Yes. Maybe with or without. Ah! Because there's a character coming up and talking about soon. I get to make jokes about that show. Yeah. Uh, so, Kiharu is voiced by Jason Lebrecht. Kagri is voiced by Tyson Reinhardt. And Uro is voiced by Brandon Potter. So, uh, Kiharu, or Jason Lebrecht, is also Lilium in Aka 13 Territory Inspection Division. Speak going back to Lilium. Get yep. Rex Lebrecht! Lebrecht. <laughs> Also get wrecked in this show. Um, yes. <laughs> he is Yato in Noragami, and he is also Shaoran in all of the Subasa Chronicles uh, stuff. Tyson Reinhardt is uh, Tadakazu Taira in All Out, Hifumi Yamada in Dagaropa, and La Valley in Rage of Bahamut. And Brandon Potter is Nicholas in Gangsta, Shinohara in Tokyo Ghoul, and Sven in Black Cat. And I do want to point this out because it is hilarious, the hilarious derby, the hilar the hilarity derby that is this show's casting in the Japanese. Oh, um, so Uro is actually voiced by Junichi Suwabe. This is going to be relevant later. Oh, <laughs> This is going boy. to be relevant. Oh, um, boy. And actually, son of a bitch... Son of a bitch! I know one of you is him! <laughs> Pardon me. Pardon me a second! Megan needs to go through the Seiyu Dictionary! Because... <laughs> the Seiyu Encyclopedia. Seiyu Encyclopedia! Of knowledge! Uh, of, of knowledge! <laughs> Where the hell are you? That'd be funny if it was a legit thing. It, it, it probably is. Because Kiharu... Okay. Because I'm pretty sure one of them is who I think he is. One of you is who I thought I think- I KNEW IT WAS YOU! YOU SON OF A BITCH! Uh-oh, what? I KNEW IT WAS YOU! Um, so, I was looking up, because if you don't know and you haven't ever read the Carnival Manga or picked it up from Yen Press, I swear we're not shilling for them. Um, if you've never read the manga, the original manga cover for Carnival, uh, Toya, uh, Mikana- uh, Toya Mikanagi- actually draws little diaries based on when the seiyu would record the anime or would record the drama cds 
And she actually drew all of the seiyuu who did it. So I, the volume I grabbed was volume three because I knew it was, this is about where the anime goes to is the end of volume three, the beginning of volume four. Okay. So like I said, Uro is Junichi Suwabe, but they also had the actors for Kagari and Kiharu. And Kiharu is played by Tomonaki uh, Mayano-san, Tomonaki Mayano, who uh, actually plays a lot of things as Yang and Gangsta, and he was in a lot of other things. He was actually not in Aka 13. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to see if he crosses over with Jason somewhere, but I don't believe he actually does, unfortunately. He is also Mickey in Yuri on Ice. But the funnier thing was when I saw Toshiyuki Toinga, I was like, son of a bitch, I know who that is, because he's Yuri Kotsky. Oh! And his boss is, uh, Victor. <laughs> Welcome to Megan's Say You Dictionary Trash Lord time. Uh, we hope you enjoy your stay. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed your stay. Uh, but no, Shit, honestly okay. though, to I want to talk about, uh, uh, Kagari and Kiharu first okay. over uh, Uro because one thing I will say is Brandon Potter's Uro is fantastic. It, I was about to say like kind of jumping into it. Speaking of unconventional casting. Sting. Because this is before he's Bashonen Demon Man from Kamisama Kiss. Yep. So just so saying funny. that um I actually really liked how Tyson and Jason played off each other. Yeah. Because being on this podcast, I don't think I've actually played and done an episode where we talked about Tyson Reinhardt and not been hard on him as an actor. I don't think we really talk about Tyson in terms of acting all that often, actually. Not but he was it. really, really good in this. He was really enjoyable. I <laughs> Yeah, him I mean, and Jason off each other are hysterical. Basically, you have Jason Lebrecht, who's the crazy, loud, obnoxious one. And then you have Tyson over here, who's basically the more, kind of the more logical, maybe somewhat quiet one, who's like... Video up. game man. Video game man, who's like, shut the fuck up, Jason. Get wrecked. Shut up and get, <laughs> shut up and do your job. Shut up and just do things or get wrecked Lebrecht, but it was- Or get wrecked Lebrecht. That is never going to go away, <laughs> and I love it. never going to go away. <laughs> but, I mean, with Jason, I mean, we've seen him play very, very energetic and spastic characters before, so this is, um, this is almost nothing really new to me. It's- But at the time, I think it would actually have been- Maybe. Because outside of Train from Black Cat- Probably. When I think about older Jason Lebrecht roles, the things that pop into my head- are Shaoran from Subasa Chronicles, who is very more sh the straight man and very, um, how to say it? He's kind, he is the main character and he's going through a lot of things. Right. So he's not who I would have actively, um, thought of. No, but at the same time, no, basically kind of what, what I was going with was like, even though for me, Jason, it's not exactly anything but still enjoyable and then going back to Tyson again this is completely different because you would never think that Tyson could play a Bishonen character and here we yeah, are really and, and it works really well and I'm very impressed by it I'm like, why why do we not have more roles for Tyson like this it's like 
come on. If, because if he, he can do it. I'm truly impressed. Yeah, and that's the thing is he can actively do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not out of place. No. It doesn't sound forced. He sounds really natural in it. Yeah. And I mean, like, because trust me, all of us were super hard on him as uh, Yamada in Danganronpa. Oh, gosh. I haven't seen Bridge of Bahamut, so I don't know. I can't really state for Lavali. Oh, actually, Lavali was actually not too shabby, now you say it. I forgot he was Lavali in Bridge of Bahamut. It wasn't too bad. That's another one where you didn't really expect him where he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think it might be a weird age thing coming into mm-hmm. play where Lavali's a bit older than maybe Tyson actually is. I can't I can't remember what my comments were on that. But again, now we have Tyson here as a Bashonen character. This has been my favorite Tyson performance that I've ever seen from him. <laughs> I will fully admit that, and I will defend that with my life. Damn it! Yeah, this is no. I'll defend it. I'll I'll go with you, man. Like I I mean I will punch a motherfucker for you. Um, <laughs> but like <laughs> it's it it is really really funny that you say that. Like as a way to transition it into. Um, Brandon Potter, who, again, this is before we really get to hear him as, um, in Kami-sama Kiss. That, and I I think really, um, really got to, before we really got to see him kind of expand in his range, because we also forget, (laughs) and lo and behold, it's another Bevan show, uh, Nicholas from Gangsta. Gangsta. Where he plays a deaf man. Yep. So, so in the rare times where Brandon comes in as a major character at some point, I have never had a problem with him, honestly. Mm-hmm. He does really well with anything he's given. And the same is said here as Uro. Again, you wouldn't think that Brandon Potter could play a Bishonen character with that deep register of a voice, but here we fucking go! <laughs> Yeah, and here's the thing, is that not only does he play, like, very calm and very soothing towards Aliska, he plays menacing to Eva and Skumo, and he plays very conniving. Yeah. Um, He plays that he is the man behind the strings. Yep. Which is, again, really cool for Brandon Potter, because you don't think of him as someone who plays this, because when I think of roles that Brandon Potter plays... You brought up Nicholas, but even then, like, Shinohara is a very morally gray character, Mm. but he is very much, like, the good guy deep down. Like, he's not manipulatively evil. Right. Um, a lot of his, maybe except for in Kami-sama Kiss, which again is gonna come after this, especially because that character doesn't start featuring in prominence till season two. Right. Um. So we didn't really even get much of that character until a couple years ago when the second season came out. Yeah, which was the beginning of the simuldub era. Right. And I remember when that was announced, a lot of people were very much like, what? Yeah, like they didn't even realize it after the first season. It's like, though I will admit I was surprised because it had been a while since I seen season one and I did not pay attention. <laughs> At the end, I forgot that he was that character. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> but even even then, it's, it's not just, again, it's not really just the unconventional casting going on here, but... Now that I... The directing. Yeah. Because, like you were saying, with that performance, he knows how to play the menacing character. He knows how to play 
this quiet yet endearing person to this little girl. He can Jail, to the angriest little jailbaiter. Yes, he's capable of playing these this duality that Uro has, and it's very very well done. It's so strong. It's probably one of the strongest performances of the show, to be completely honest. And I just absolutely love it. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of unconventional casting when it happens sometimes. And as long as it works really well, of course. And this is one of those times where it worked really well. And also, again, to be fair, I do, again, like I said, I enjoy a lot of... I I have almost no issues with anything that Brendan Potter has played. But this this might be one of the first, like, the first starts of where we we get to see him going in a completely different direction in terms of the characters you usually see him play. Because before Carnival, we've had we've had Black Cat, um, and then obviously, well, no, we have Shanks in One Piece, and that's probably the one big thing that people would know him for the most up until that point. And then we have coming in, like, Carnival, we have Comments of a Kiss, we have Gangsta, we have a uh, few Tokyo other- Ghoul Rude, I would give. Tokyo Ghoul, yep. But, I'm sorry. Yeah, because we didn't get to actually talk about him in the episode. Brandon Potter as Shinohara is literally one of the best performances yep. that ever came out of that dub. Yep. And it is one part, like, genuine, like, you get into that character and he gets through so much of the emotion. And you, I, honest to God, if you've seen Tokyo Ghoul Rude or you've read the manga for Tokyo Ghoul and you know Shinohara's fate... See, hearing like the niceness that comes out of that character in Brandon, it makes it ten times worse. <laughs> oh, she a tail, motherfucker! <laughs> no, don't remind me of the walk again. I'm gonna be so mad. So yeah, you're not mad. the one who Cliff harasses on Twitter with that one. <laughs> Cl- this okay? True facts, Cliff. I know you're probably not listening. But you but know you can immediately you make me dead stop when you say those words. It's like my little, like, chip, the chip in my head makes me behave when I hear you say that. <laughs> it's not fair. Take it out. <laughs> now we can something completely different. And by the way, apparently we're owned by Clifford Chapin now. <laughs> yeah, we are Dub Talk, now owned by Clifford Chapin. Like, just the Futurama logo, where it says, like, with every cut snarky at the bottom. A Cliff Chapin Entertainment Pro. Oh my god! <laughs> post more videos of Cubby in the yard. Cubby <laughs> in the yard. Please post more videos of Cubby. She's the cutest. She's adorable. If nobody understands what we're talking about, it's a long fucking story. We don't have time for it right now. Right. Maybe later. That's a story for another day. That's a story for another day. Just not right now. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe when we start a new game or something. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway. Are you ready to move on? I sure as hell am. Alright. So next up, we're gonna take a... We're gonna, uh... Go to the doctors. <laughs> oh my. But up, up, but up, up. So we have, uh... Az- 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 is it, it's it's spelled Azana, but I believe they pronounce it Izana. In Akari. I think they are... They uh, yeah. yeah, it's like Izana and Akari. Izana is a... A researcher of wild animals and spoilers, and Akari is the head of the research, uh, the research tower, which is like Circus's medical, um, medical group. Mm-hmm. So Aizana is played by Jerry Jewell, 
in Akari is played by David Matronga. Uh, Jerry... I specifically didn't list that for a reason. I, Jerry Jewel plays characters like Louis Asahina from Brothers Conflict, Jimmy Kudo, the older version in Case Closed, and Akito Hayama from Kodicha. Dave Matranga plays Bearholt Hoover in Attack on Titan, to uh, Tomoya Ozaki in Klanad, and Shoto Todoroki in My Hero Academia. And speaking of My Hero Academia, hmm. you will never believe who Aizana is in the Japanese. Oh shit. It's Nobuhiko Okamoto who plays Bakugo. Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, speaking of of actors with impressive ranges, Woo! because not only is that gentleman uh, Bakugo, he's also Karma in Assassination Classroom, Rin in Blue Exorcist, Noya in Haikyuu, and if you would believe it, he's actually Yoichi in Sarah for the End. Yeah, that's the part I call bullshit on. <laughs> on uh, that's the part fact, I call bullshit. Shit on. Yeah, uh, fun fact. Uh, the gentleman who happens to play Akari in the Japanese, though, is one Mr. Uh, Daisuke Hirakawa. Mm. Uh, Daisuke Hirakawa, I, I know it's really weird. We, we rarely actually do talk about the Seiyuu. But I feel do. like this is a show that's actually kind of fun about it. Is um, And you're also Seiyuu trash, so. I'm trash, so yeah. <laughs> uh, he's also uh, Kakuin in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders. However, for you uh, swimming fans, he's actually not the right person I was looking for. <laughs> no, he is Ray. He is Ray from Free. He is also Ray from Free. Oh, okay. Uh, but going, yeah, but going over this. <laughs> so where are we gonna start? We're gonna start with Izana because okay. if you've never watched Carnival, thank God we do a disclaimer. Yes. Um, Izana turns out to be a mole selling information and yep. disrupting circus for Kafka. And dude, that shit crazy. And he goes insane yep. because uh, the Varuga killed his family, and then he eventually realizes that they keep stopping circus all the time. What's the- he's also- <laughs> What? No, I just looked back at it because I still had Daisuke Hirakawa's thing open. He's Lito from uh, Dive Ball Covers. <laughs> <laughs> you can run, you can hide, but you'll never escape the Diabolic Lovers. Never. Ah, fucking Dave Matranga's Uncle Dictor, too. That's so. true. Um, but he- he really, like- People, like, last year people really gave Jerry Jules shit at points over Yuri on Ice. Which is- For the which, accent thing, which, which was stupid, by the way. Yeah, so fucking dumb. So fucking dumb. He does not sound like Gru, fuck off. Um, but, a lot of people forget how good of an actor Jerry Jewel is. Mm. Like, him doing the freakout to Akati oh, God. in episode 13? Uh, yes. twelve or thirteen. It was either it was either like towards the end of twelve or it was in thirteen. Thirteen, just how just nuts and desperate he sounds. Oh yeah, was like yeah, because here's the thing: Jerry Jewel gets casted as nice guys all the time, yeah. and Akari is your stereotypical nice guy. Akari or Izana? Izana. Sorry, not Akari. Izana. Like um, uh, just. 
Izana, um, like, how he's, like, really soft-spoken, his, like, losing his notes in the snow and wanting to pet all the animals, and then he goes insane. Yeah. It, it, it's, like, um, I forgot that Izana, that Izana went fucking nuts. It, again, it's been a while since I've seen the show. <laughs> so, when I got went into it, then I got to Jerry, I'm like, okay, it works. It's, it's, it, it works. Jerry's done these kinds of characters before. It's not that bad. Oh my god! It's like, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> surprise, motherfucker. I am batshit insane. <laughs> and yeah, it, and it really works. Yeah. I mean, like, like, I just genuinely enjoyed, um, Izana, uh, Jerry's performance in Izana, and it really stood out to me as one of the best in the show when I first watched it. Like, yeah. I could remember that. What I could remember more <laughs> is Dave as Dr. Dakari. Oh, God. Oh. And here's the thing. This dub came out, or at least I watched it genuinely very close to when I watched Attack on Titan mm. for the first time. Yep. And here's the thing. I had never, I have still never seen Quinod. I do not watch a lot of older Sentai dubs. Attack on Titan was effectively my introduction to Dave Matranga's acting. But here's the thing. Bearholt doesn't talk a lot in season one. Season two, however! <laughs> season two! Him, two! Holy him Robert, shit! Him and Robert have, like, so many goddamn conversations. Also, B, if you think Attack on Titan season two is inferior because Aaron isn't getting a bulk of the screen time, I would like you to shove a sword up your ass. Nice. I think my Fuck introduction you. to, um... Dave Matronga was probably Le Chavaler Dayon, actually. I, played, that is a show I genuinely want to played, watch, but I never got to. he plays the title character of um, Dayon de Beaumont. And I, or, like, if, if on the off chance we ever do a classics episode, if we start that side show, my bad. Um, yeah, we're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it. Um, I'm sorry, just I would love for to, any of you would, asking why that hasn't started... We Life. picked Wolfstrain, and I'm going through. There's some stuff going on Life. right now that making Wolfstrain's hard to watch. Yeah. So, so on the off chance, just as an FYI, I know, I know, we said Wolfstrain was the pilot episode for Classics. They may, that may not be the case anymore. I'm just saying, um, because things happen, and Wolfstrain is a very heavy show to get through. Um, but with Dave Matranga, again, this is a very unconventional. <laughs> role for him. Yeah, because here's the Cause, thing, he doesn't sound anything cause, like cause, I've heard Because we're used to things like Dayon Dibomo. We're used to, um, shit, Bertolt. I have not seen, I have not seen Le Chevalier Dion. Is it that good? We're, we're, we're used to things like Todoroki to an extent. We're used to this kind of stuff. Then you have angry fucking Dave Matronga yelling, oh God, like, being an angry little shit. <laughs> Akari is like them them. It's great. Akari, if if David Wald is the fun police, this is Doctor No Fun. <laughs> yes. Like even his even his workers think he's no fun and that he sucks, um, because he won't let them go out and have fun. But like, legitimately though, like if I had never seen this show, I probably wouldn't have as much faith in Dave Matronga as I do. Because and I, and I I don't mean to say that like it's a mean thing, but like he's really really fucking good in this show. 
And he's a really great actor that I don't think gets a lot of appreciation in the community for how well he plays and how well his range is. Because, yeah. I mean, Bearholt sounds nothing like Akari, and Akari sounds nothing like Todoroki. No. And Todoroki doesn't sound like Uncle Dictor, and Uncle Dictor doesn't sound like the blowjob man. <laughs> now we bring it back full circle. There we go. Everything comes back to blowjob. <laughs> um, Where's... I had a note about him somewhere. Ah. Uh. Oh, I think he gets across too the betrayal. Yeah, when the, the, that sound in his voice of betrayal. Scene. That's such a strong scene on both his and Jerry's part. Which is why I paired them together. Um, right. <laughs> I just think that, and and two, he also really bounces off of Hiroto and Sugitachi mm. together. The, the interactions and, with those three are probably my favorite thing. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. There's a lot of really bad. Um, Dialogue. There's a lot of really bad dialogue in some of them, um, but one of the one of the lines, while it is funny, it it was stupid and didn't need to be in there, was um, was um, Hiroto and Araki were f- and uh, Akari fighting, and then uh, Sukitachi's like, "Come on, girls, you're both pretty." Yes. <laughs> it was great. Um, but yeah, this is this is um definitely different for. Dave here, because this is probably the angriest I will have ever seen him get. And it's- Outside of Attack on Titan Season 2. <laughs> no, but even then, it's not to this extent. Like, you can rarely- I mean, he wasn't like, colossally angry no. or anything. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but um, with Akari, like, with how he portrayed those moments where he's, like, pissed off and yelling at these, at these other characters- much a bit more of a lower register and kind of gravelly which is very very different for him and i i enjoy that akari is probably another very strong performance for me and it was so much fun watching him get so mad <laughs> at hirato sukitachi and considering who they who those two voices are oh sweet lord it was fun as shit <laughs> uh-huh, are you ready to move on yes Okay, cool. So, next up, we are going to go over Jiki, Kichi, and Eva, Eva, who are- Kichi and Jiki are the two members of Airship 1 under Tsukitachi, and Eva is another member of Airship 2 under Hirato, but she doesn't show up as much. So, Jiki is played by Aaron Dismuke, who also plays characters like Rail in Aka 13, Upa in Nanbaka, and Chio, uh, Chihiro Fu, uh, Furia in Sankurei Undying Love. Kichi is played by Allison Victorin, who plays Naru uh, Kotishi, uh, Koteshi in Barakamon, the younger Jimmy Kudo in Case Close, and Sasami Ur- uh, Iwakura in Sasami Magical Girls Club. Eva is played by Jessica Cavanaugh, who plays Rui Hachioji in Codebreaker, Moeka Kuryu in Steinsky, and everyone's favorite bitchy spirit from Fairy Tale, Aquarius. Yeah, I, from, I forgot Jessica Cavanaugh was Aquarius. This makes so much sense. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> sense. Eat my boot, you cur! This performance makes so much sense now because I don't see Jessica Cavanaugh in enough things. So this was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, she had the smallest ANN. She writes a lot more than I think. She also wrote Soccer Quest, if I'm correct. Yes. 
Actually, she doesn't. She hasn't written a lot because she's done Sakura Quest, Gosek. Uh, I think Gosek anyway. Uh, Robert You're not King. supposed to mention the last one. I don't give a shit at this point. Point. He keeps harassing us for episodes. Shut the fuck up. I will get to the fucking thing. God, don't blame me. Blame the home video release for Go Sick before we get to talking about that. I'm sorry, I had to rant on that for a second. Because there are people, oh there, there's a person. There's a person. You're like banging the table like it owes you money. This table does owe me money. Damn it, no. But, um, I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> sorry, honey. God. I'll do the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but to go over really quickly who they are in Japanese, uh, Eva is played by Yoko Hona, who uh, doesn't have a lot of things like Jessica Kavanaugh, honestly. Oh, okay. But she was uh, Shizuku in Whispers of the Heart. Uh, Yuichi, uh, Yuichi Nakamura plays Jiki, and he also plays characters such as... I'm trying to grab stuff that we would know, because we watched it in the Japanese... He's a Kuro in Haikyuu, actually, which makes a lot of sense in thinking about it. Um, and he's also Gurren in Seraph of the End. Oh! <laughs> ah! Ooh, there's the kicker. <laughs> there's the kicker. There's what you came for, watching Megan squeal over that. And Kichi is played by Eddie Kitamura, who plays characters such as... Uh, she's actually one of the sisters in Bakemonogatari, but uh, you hadn't watched that. Yeah. Uh, she's Izumo, Izumo Kamiki in Blue Exorcist. And she's actually the Japanese Kana from Fairy Tale. Okay. Going over their performances, um, I actually really... Jessica Kavanaugh as Eva makes total sense now. Yeah, again, I completely forgot she was Aquarius. <laughs> so I'm looking at... By the like... way, there is something about Aquarius I want to get off my chest. I hope you feel guilty, you fist fish bitch, after what Minerva did to Lucy and you abandoned her. Didn't, um, wasn't Jessica Kavanaugh Aaron's mom? <laughs> we all mom? got mad about it. No, Aaron's mom? <laughs> that would explain where she's been. Dead. Because <laughs> I think that, that kind of brings up my point about the performances, Eva. Because she's, she's Aaron's mom if Aaron's mom would have lived. <laughs> yeah, because that's... Aaron's mom was probably one of the more memorable performances I've seen from Jessica Kavanaugh. Yeah, she was, is Aaron's mom. She is Aaron's okay, mom. Okay, good. That's just so I have that right. She's also Akiko in Barakamon. Akiko, fuck, who's that? Um. Oh, is that um Honda's mom? I don't know because I haven't finished Barakamon. It's Honda's mom, but um anyway, like I'm used to that kind of character because Aaron's Aaron's mom was memorable. I mean, fucking Aaron's mom and Jessica Cavanaugh was um was good with that. And then minus my stupid memory in Aquarius. I'm going back. I'm going into Jessica Kavanaugh's Eva here. It's like She's oh really fun. shit! It is so much fun. Like I. She's why? Hiroshi's mom, not um. She's Hiroshi's mom, not Honda's mom. Aha. Okay. Where did I? What's the note I wrote? I said that she's one badass bitch, and it's glorious. That Eat was my the note boot, I wrote. You <laughs> That whole play, oh my! Where she God. that whole episode where she's like, "You're gonna play your roles and you're gonna do them how I said." You got me. And the, the guys are just like, "The fuck!" And then, and oh. then, then also, be just nine. 
We adore you. We respect you, big sister. Like, that part just kills me. That episode kills me. And um, then Garaki is oh, like, no, that, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And then, like, when they're eating on the beach in the forest, um, and Akari's like, we aren't here to smell the roses. Eat your food. And she just grabs on the skumo. Skumo is like, this beautiful vixen made us food. Be nice to her. Like, she is like the great. angriest mom on the airship, and it's wonderful. It's, it's fantastic. And I mean, going and, and kind of, I guess, the best transition to go into with this. Um, so Aaron took a boot to the face. <laughs> oh my god. Jiki is like the jackass guy at work That's that so nobody great. likes. <laughs> And this is before Aaron Dismuke evolved into Snarky Jag off the, the human. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is before we got, like, Blah Blah K Bell from Arslan and yeah. Baka and all this other stuff. Oh, lord. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, I just I just really enjoy that Jiki is, like, does not want to hang out with them and thinks Nye is, like, the greatest hindrance on the planet Earth. Yeah. He's like, I gotta, I gotta watch this stupid thing now. Um... <laughs> No, I, no, I, no, it's not Nai who does, who's the greatest hindrance. It's apparently Gareki who's the greatest hindrance in fucking Earth. Yeah, no, he's like, why is Gareki even here? Ah. But I think what's great about G Aaron's performance as Jiki is how well it plays off of Kichi, Allison Victorin's mm. absolute bitch Kichi. Oh. I did not peg her as this. No. Allison was snarky as shit, and it's beautiful and i think some of the best display of this is when she yells at yogi oh yeah because her and yogi are the same rank and she is like why are you and i the same rank you're a disgrace to all and she's like so full of herself and has a stick stuck up her butt and um it is just like what and it's just enjoyable, especially bouncing off of who plays uh, Skumo, because honestly, uh, when we get to Skumo, you would feel like the two of their roles under another director would be switched, honestly. Even possibly. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Eh, maybe. I mean, even all the characters I had listed for Allison's other roles, like, She's Kichi is a opposite from Naru, is an opposite yep. from Jimmy, and it's definitely an op- opposite for all five of us who have actually watched the Sabi Magical Girls Club. Fun fact, Leah Clark directed that. Um, but I, I really think that the three of them work really well, especially Jessica Cavanaugh, who yeah. I wish we would hear more often. I mean, I'm fine with her like writing more scripts. That's perfect. All right. Because I haven't run into any bad ones as of right now, but... I also did not watch all Daraman on the Sky because I think she wrote it too. All the ramen in the sky. All the ramen on the sky. All the ramen. All of it. All right. Ready to move on? All right. Let's talk about some voice acting black magic. Hey, origin story. Sorry. So, long, long time ago in a bedroom far, far away. No, this is not the Star Wars porn parody, you fucking weirdos. Um, a A fat girl just fresh out of college. Decided to watch the show Carnival and was just rekindling her relationship with her friends Hardy and Steph. So when I had heard Hirata the first time, I thought he was somebody else, looked it up, and was completely amazed to find out it was another person. Why? Because I thought Hirato was J. Michael Tatum. Wrong! It's not. In fact, Hirato is played by Ian Sinclair. 
And Suki Tachi, the airship captain for uh, vessel number one, is J. Michael Tatum. To go over who Ian Sinclair has played, if you don't know who he is, and if you haven't heard Gigi decide to make a pool out of the mention of his name. <laughs> and that's another beep, beep. another point to Gigi right there. Just, just throw her another box of wine, it's fine. Yes. No. <laughs> he is Wolric in Gangsta, Kamizuki in Seraph at the End, and Mitsuhide in Snow White with the Red Hair. Shut up. No, Mitsuhide is a good character. I like Mitsuhide. No, but sh- you you know don't, what happened last time. No, I will time. take either Zen or Obi any fucking day. <laughs> I know you'll take Zen. I'll take fucking Zen. Take <laughs> Let's face it, I would take Zen in a heartbeat. <laughs> you do a lot of other. You take do a lot of other things as Zen in a heartbeat. Shut the fuck up and let's keep going. <laughs> Moving right along. Nothing to see here. <laughs> J. Michael Tatum plays characters as Butch Cassidy and Drifters, Tomoe and Kami Samakis. And she's a Kodomaki in Triple X Holic. Now, the reason I said please pay attention to the fact that Junichi Suwabe <laughs> is in this anime is if you have not watched a lot of dubs, there's a there's a funny little track record about Junichi Suwabe. Is that most times Ian Sinclair gets his character. And it's just by random happening, it just even in Bevan's dub, like, Aka 13, when we played the Aka 13 guessing game mm-hmm. at AB, the second I saw that the character was voiced by Junichi Suwabe, the first thing out of my mouth was, that's Ian's character, isn't it? And they're all like, yeah. <laughs> yes. The reason I bring this up is that if you've watched Carnival in Japanese, you will immediately know that Hirato is played by Daisuke Ono. Yep. And if you've watched Funimation dubs... You will know that Tatum plays a good amount of Daisuke 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 Ono characters like Arwen, like a certain um, Sebastian Michaelis. It is so well known that in the commentary of episode 13 of this anime, they make a joke about it. Are you serious? They're like, oh, there's a Hirito played by Daisuke Ono who is not Sebastian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yep. I didn't have the time. Oh my god. No, what? You know how I said Tatum was Butch Cassidy? Yeah. Guess who else is Butch Cassidy? <laughs> Isn't Daisuke Ono? <laughs> si, senorita! <laughs> yes! That's amazing. I forgot about that. Oh. Uh, and then if you're wondering who plays Sukitachi, he is played by Mr. Koji Yusa. Who plays characters such as um, he is? He's in. He's a. I'm trying to think of Funimation stuff that they've done. That's why he's actually Flame in Drifters, and he is a Domencino Archangelo, who is, I believe, Wolric's dad. Yep, that sounds about right. Yep, he's Wolric's dad in um, in Gangsta. Uh. But I'm trying to find the like one of the really like big Funimation shows. Uh, he was Brain in Overlord too. Mm, okay. Yeah, he was Brain in he was Brain in Overlord, and he's um. He's in a lot of like really weird. I'm I'm going down to see if he was in Yuri on Ice, but he's not. Damn it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, back to uh, performances. I actually really liked that Bevan switched them around from who you would have expected. Because normally you would think it would be the opposite. Yeah, because face it, Hirato is... Hirato is your typical Tatum character. Tsukitachi's more of your typical Ian character. 
if you could put a blinking billboard that said, cast me as Tatum, you would stick its ass over Hirato. Like, it would, it would be so obnoxious you would think you're in Vegas. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of obnoxious. But he, my thing is, I think part of it's probably the, the problem is, is that the whole voice acting black magic story that originated. I could tell that Hirato was Ian. Though I could- I, I couldn't because could, I was dumb. Because I'm dumb. <laughs> I, I could tell it was Ian. However, at the same time, I could see moments where it's like- Where I had to stop for a second. I'm like, okay. I can see why that could be mixed up with Tatum. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, again, those performances are really- Are really good. Uh, again, like we were talking about earlier, Suki Tachi suffers from the whole writing problem. With his dialogue. <laughs> Ian played here- I- they both were really well, given what they had and the different personalities and character traits that these two <laughs> captains had. With um, Ian, kind of like the the gentleman type of character, where he's very compassionate and not really quiet, but um, very logical and smart, and will take the brunt of any trouble that comes his way. And then you have Tatum, who is basically a snarky jagoff. <laughs> basically, yes. And again, my f I think fr my favorite interactions are the ones between the two airship captains and Akari. So we have Ian Tatum and Dave Matranga all sitting in a room together. <laughs> they're talking oh no, to what was the it? Best. Uh, when they when they have the, no, one of my favorite lines is uh, we can get together and have tea. By tea, do you mean alcohol? <laughs> Yes. And then they're like, they're like doing stuff in Akari's room, and Akari's just losing his mind. He's like, bah, da, da, da. and then eventually and Akari's like, passed the fuck out, and Hirato's like, you, you really shouldn't have given that much. And Zukijai's just like, not my fault. He's a lightweight. <laughs> yeah, it's just like those. It's like those two guys, and I. And one of the things I actually really enjoy um, about Ian as Hirato is how very reassuring he is as a character. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Especially um, that last third um, involving Garki. Yeah, do you want to be a child of Airship too? Yes. When he's basically essentially asking him to come join him. Mm -hmm. um, because he is... He knows that Garki wants to stay, but he doesn't know how to say it because Garki's not good with people. Right. And I feel like he's very, very much like Jeff genuinely trying to help him um and it's really sweet and he does it really and Ian gets to really explore this as a character yeah. um which you don't really get to always see Ian play these types of characters and I feel like Bevins really does get to bring it out of him whether it be as Hirato or when he was um oh god what was his character's name in a Aka Rossler Oh, Grossler. Yeah, Grossler. Like, I feel like you don't get to always hear that out of Ian because he's playing, like, these big burly dudes or, like... Like, even Walric had shades of it, but again, yeah. I haven't actually finished the train wreck that is Gangster. Rest in peace, Manglobe. I know we're raiding your grave right now. <laughs> but you're it, used to usually hearing him as things like, um... Like, just to give an example, uh, Daikoku in Noragot. He usually plays... Or a lot as of Frankie. A lot of characters that we've seen him play before have a lot, a lot of, like, energy, like, boundless energy to them. And Ian is really good at playing these energetic characters. But it's always... I mean, look at Dandy. Yeah, Dandy, prime example. But it's always 
so refreshing to come back and see this different kind of role. By the way, now that I'm thinking of it, you said he played Frankie, you are incorrect, he is Brooke. Close enough. No, it's not close enough, there's a huge fucking difference. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me drag so, Zenith in here and she will explain this to you. I, I can't believe I mistook Frankie and that's Patrick, who is also known for playing guys with boundless energy. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's, for Ian, this is so, so refreshing to see a different kind of character for him so much fun. And the same can be said for Tatum. Said for Tatum. Because Tatum, we yeah, see him because... as these more intellectual, kind of calm, bookish kind of characters. But then I mean, we... how many times have we heard him play, like, Sebastian Black Butler? Right. Or, um, I'm trying to think of other bookish characters that Tatum has played, Ray. and I'm trying... <laughs> what? Ray and Frey? Ray. Well, Ray has energy, because Ray is a dork. Ray is a, spa- a knucklehead McSpazitron. I, I, I agree totally. And again, this is bringing performances out of people who you don't normally expect this out of. Yeah. Like, um, I was going to say Shiro from um, Assassination Class. Okay, yep. Okay, character. Yeah. That's true. Um, I, I mean, this is like when when uh, Mike McFarlane cast him as Burnaby in uh, Empire. Um, <laughs> All over <laughs> Shout out to one of Lax's uh, husbandos. <laughs> And Lax. All we've got to do is uh, get Andrew, Jamal, Noah, and and oh, Noah's easy. Just insult some American cartoon and tell them that they're like Canadian or something. Oh, we haven't we haven't said Zenith on the airship either. And Steve's. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we we threw Zenith under the bus. I got her One Piece back wrong. It's gonna throw her into a fit. <laughs> there we go. We didn't throw. Sneeze Next thing you're gonna video. tell me is that Eric Vale plays uh, Usa. And now I'm sorry, you can't troll. You can't You can't troll Sneebs because Sneebs is troll incarnate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You ready to go? And anyway. you ready? Yes, I am. All right, so on to our final, uh, our second to last pair, Skumo, uh, who is the very quiet female member, other female member of Airship Two, and Yogi. Who can be defined <laughs> as man-child incarnate? <laughs> who is twenty-one and a half, mind you? He is not a child. Twenty-one He's and a half. He's also Nyan Perona, yeah. the uh, the embodiment of man among the children in the world of Carnival, <laughs> and is the so, best fucking character. Of Yogi show. is kind of the best. Far Yogi none. is the best character, and which is why in Japan he's played by Mamoru Miyano. Of course, who he is. is who is like characters like Skiyama and. Um, Prince Juan from Akko or the do And of course, everyone's least favorite Canadian, JJ. I forgot that he was JJ. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. Who else in Japan's gonna play JJ, the man with his own name tramp stamped to on him? To be fair, I never finished the um, Japanese of Yuri on Ice. I- oh my god, no, seriously, if I'm looking at JJ, I'm like, in Japan, that's Mamoru Miyano because nobody has enough pork in their body <laughs> to play that character. Oh my God. Anyway. Anyway, so Skumo is played, uh, shout out to the Japanese version of Skumo, who is actually Aya Endo, who plays characters such as, um, she plays a Claire in the fairy tale movie. Okay. And she's also in, um, oh God, I'm trying to, she's in Excel World as Skyraker in the Japanese. Okay. Uh, and she's silver in the Ancient Magus Bride, which is coming out. 
Uh, but in the English, she is played by Miss Jade Saxon, who plays Veruca Ando in Danganronpa 3, both the future and the, the uh, despair arc. She is Chika Takami in Love Live Sunshine, and Karin Ishida in Shangri-La. And Chris Babbins plays Yogi, because Chris Babbins casts himself in everything why the fuck that he not? does or not. <laughs> Uh, he is Nino in Aka 13, Fastener in Panty and Stocking with Garter Belt, as well as Canone Hilbert in Spiral, in which if you've ever wanted to see Chris Bevins do a southern accent on a character, watch Spiral. Um, when I said, if you were to ask me who uh, Allison Victorin played and Jade Saxton played in this show without ever watching it, I would have had them switch. Because I feel like Jade would have been your traditional pick of Kichi because she's playing the Sundere all the time. Yep. Skumo is a mouse person. <laughs> Very much so. She's she's she's, she's I don't much think more introverted compared to some of the other characters that we meet. I believe Skumo yells one time in the entire show. Yep. She is is not something I expect out of Jade, and I like it a lot. I, I found it enjoyable too. I it's it's a theme tonight, unconventional casting. And it's works really well. It's not one of the most more memorable performances really of the show, partially because Skumo doesn't have an extreme amount of screen time. But also because the person that she's ten nine times out of ten up against. Holy fucking shit, Chris Bevins. Oh my god, Yogi never stops. He's like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> the Energizer Bunny. Speaking of roles, we would never peg Chris Bevins to voice. Terran Residence, Nino here, Inaka, fucking Yogi. Even even Canone in Spiral is very, very, like, slow and methodical because he's a character that's planning out and pulling strings. Yogi is an idiot. Here's a funny thing, like... When I saw trailers for the release of Carnival, and there was only these small little, like, sound bites of Bevins' as Yogi, I was so hesitant about it. Like, it uh, was- And you were like that with Nine, too, from Terror That's Resonance. exactly where I'm going with this. And then, I watched the show, and I let him go for, like, 20, 20 minutes in, like, what was it, episode two? And here's the thing too, is not only does he have to change from Yogi's bass voice into Nyam Perona, who is this suit character, like the Mickey Mouse of Carnival Basically. for little children, and he has stores and cities and children of love everywhere love him. He also has a moment, I believe, in episode 10 where his allergy patch falls off and he goes, cuckoo. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And if, if you're asking, yes, that they do actually explain what happens in the manga, what it is. Cool. Um, and it's ex it, you can kind of guess, infer what's happening if you if you can dig in a little I bit. Think I, I think I read spoilers online. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and it, wor it works as a character thing. Mm -hmm. It does. But I... And, I, and again, it's and again, it's like I said with Jade, it's not like we haven't heard her be quiet. If you've watched um, It's Kobayashi's Dragon Maid this year... Uh, Kana is very quiet, but even then, Skumo is quieter than Kana. Yeah. Um, and the way that they bounce off each other, too, and it's not only that, it's the way that she bounces off of Nai and Garaki's energy, and then Yogi and Garaki going back and forth is hysterical. It's the best! Ah! It's, ah. Uh, <laughs> my bottom line, my thoughts of 
Bevins' is yogi is he stole the fucking show and ran yeah. with it, and it was the best thing in the world. Yogi was Chris my favorite performer. put himself as not. arguably one of the best characters in the show and just said, get him a level boy. He's voice. like, I'm out! <laughs> I've done my Wee! job. I've done my duty. I'm Girl. out. I just could not stop dying of laughter every time I saw Bevins voicing Yogi, and it was it was not only hysterical, it was so interesting because, again, it comes down to, again, the, tr the theme of the night, unconventional casting, where you would never peg Bevins as this kind of character. To be fair, I did <laughs> see twinges of, like, Hogger Curry without the stoner kind of accent feel. I saw twinges of that here and there when it came to Yogi, but it was still so much fun. And it's like, you can never shut him up. You just let him go, and he's just off and running to the races, and like, Energizer Bunny just keeps going and going, and oh, sweet lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, I can't say anything more than she already has. <laughs> so, are you ready to move on to the last... Um, well, we got three and they're individuals. Doing individual characters now for the last three because they are the most plot relevant. Yep. We're going to start off with Karaku. The one that she almost forgot when making her list. <laughs> I, I drink to forget Karaku's <laughs> performance. Let's go with that. Oh, um, my I'm not very happy with that. <laughs> Alright, so we have Karaku played by Vic Mignana, who plays characters like Johannes and Aquarion, Mamoru, uh, Mamoru Toregari from Razavan, and Fai D. Flowerite from Tsubasa Reservoir Chronicles. If you're watching this in the Japanese, this is going to be uh, so, uh, Soichi Hiroshi, uh, Hoshi? Soichiro Hoshi who plays characters like Makoto Ogami in Ghost Hound, as well as... He's also uh, Saman Goku in the Japanese version of Nambaka. Mm, okay. Um, so, do you want to go first? Because I have a lot of issues with this. Oh, boy. Um, I think the short story of this is... The short story we're trying to get to here is... Um, probably is the weakest performance of the show. That's the short story. The long story, at least for me, is the issue... <laughs> the issue I really have with Vic, because believe me, it's not as... I, I don't have as many or as big of issues as Megan does, and she'll talk about that in a minute, but um... For the record, I do not have a hate boner for this man. No. It's just, this does not work. Um, he, my thing is really is, because um, Karaku, a good amount of the show, is just a voice nigh here, so there's no physical presence. If we're just basing it off of that, personally, I think it works. Like, if we never saw a physical character or a physical being, having Vic as that voice in Nai's head, I think it works. The problem then becomes when we see the physical character. And again, when we were talking about Aleska, to remind people, this kid is 18 years old. It suddenly becomes an issue where the physicality of this character does not match the voice. And as unconventional as some of the other casting was with like Brandon Potter's Udo or um, Frickin' Tyson Reinhardt or Dave Petranga, 
this casting choice, I understand the reasoning for it. I understand, like, what they were going for. But I think the final product, at least on the when we see the physical character itself, the final product of that part of it just really didn't really work too well for me. I mean, again, if it, if we were just judging it as like an omnipresent or omnipotent voice, I'm fine with it. Because how Vic played that, it's like a calm and soothing voice for Nye to recognize that can have moments of, little bits of moments where he's menacing. Especially in the early parts where he's saying like, you really need to stop being friends with Garki because you're gonna break him. Like, that stuff, that really worked. And then, you again, you see the scenes where you see the physical character of Haraku, and it doesn't line up. Okay, I'm at it. That's it. I'm going off. I hate this performance so much. I fucking hate it. It is the worst performance in this dub for me. By bar none. And here's the thing that I have issues with. Number one, there is no sense of inflection for me in the character. It is bland. It is boring. It is, oh, this guy looks sickly and quiet. I'm just gonna play him sickly and quiet. If you've watched the show, you've learned that there are two different Karakus. Yep. There's the Karaku that's in Garak, that's in Nai's memories, and there's the Karaku that's been manipulating him. You cannot tell the difference between either of them. And I don't know if it's because Nye is not supposed to tell the difference between them. But you as a viewer, you're supposed to tell the difference between the one that's interacting with Aliska and the one that's interacting with Nye in his mind. There is no total difference. Here, I'm going to stop you right there because this was actually pointed out. The Karaku interacting with Aliska is the same one that was in Nye's mind. Okay. It is the exact same one. It's not the two separate ones because the the um, I'm gonna call him the fake Karaku. Um, he even brings this up in th episode 13, where he outright says that he that I was the one I, we were talking to. Yeah, but here's the thing: is like when you watch, and I and I'm gonna bring this up because there's another show that we both genuinely really enjoy, mm -hmm. where there's a character with a split personality. And it isn't revealed until a different point how you can tell which one's in control and which one's talking to each other. Which one was that one? Compare compare how he plays the two Karakus to how Micah plays Black and Blank from Blood Blockade Battlefront. Before okay. you know there's a difference between them. Okay. They have two different ways of speaking. You can tell Blank... The King of Despair is more forward, more menacing, and more gleefully evil before you realize there's a split personality to when where Black talks to where Black talks to Leo, where he is a lot more quiet and more sensitive. Right. There is no difference to me between Vic's Karaku. And that, of all things, really lets me down because we know Vic Mignana is a fantastic voice actor. Mm -hmm. There is no excuse for honestly how lazy this performance comes off. I do not like I, it. I, under, I get I that. Think... I think... I understand where you're completely coming from. I, I think the big thing, though, to, again, remember is the majority of the show, if not all of it, is the fake Karaku. You almost... You, I don't even recall ever hearing, like, the real Karaku. 
And that's the thing is because how can you tell if they sound both exactly the same? Be- but here's if the thing: supposed here's- to be a point of a twist with it. You can you can hide the twist, but there's a way that he can inflect his voice or be like it just a slight octave difference. No, here here you can tell. Here's my point though: if the real Karaku never said anything in the show. That doesn't give Vic an opportunity to make those distinct choices. But I feel like he does have a moment in the show where he talks. Because you can't tell in Nye's memories which one it is. Okay. I think that you could be able to show the difference between Nye getting manipulated in his dreams and Nye's genuine memories of the man that took care of him. Because Nye is childish because Nye is an animal. But Nye is still shown to be compassionate and knows and is shown to tell the emotional differences in people. It's a huge point that he talks about people, the difference between people being warm and cold or if they're quote unquote drowning because they're crying. I get that, but to an extent, there is slight differences. They're very, very subtle. Like again, when early on, when the fake Karaku's talking to Nye, and it's telling him to stop being friends with Garaki because you're going to break him. Yeah, like, that part stuff was good. That stuff is but good. when you're getting into the last episode, when the character is being developed and you're kind of revealing the twist, that's where it falls short. And that's what honestly upsets me because everybody else in that episode is on their A-game. And now you're stepping down, especially against a role that a lot of people genuinely do not like that actor. Then I feel like that's more on the fault of the show and the character and not on Vic. Even then, I still don't like his performance as this character. I think it's one of the weakest ones he's done as a character. I'm gonna agree with you. It is one of the weakest ones, but I think given some of the circumstances in the show itself, I feel like there's valid reasons. I think we're being a little- I'm being a little too hard. No, uh, I don't blame you for being really hard on it, but I think to an- like, if you think about it logically and with some of the story elements itself, you- you, at the same time, you can kind of see why it might lean in that direction. I mean, could it have been more developed and better? Yes, but also, again, part of that, again, is the show's fault. Because we didn't see a lot of the real Karaku, so that way Vic has that opportunity to make distinct choices between both characters. To make that and difference I feel like- clear. If maybe if a second season comes around, we might get to hear the difference of it. Yeah, because now we don't. We aren't at the luxury of that happening yeah. with Mandalore being Cause, down. Because again, we find I, out about this twist at the last possible second. Yeah, and the real Karaku doesn't really say anything except for maybe like that we know yeah, of. Except for maybe like one or two hints in Nye's memory outside of that throughout the whole show. Yeah. So and I and I honestly do hope that if he if they eventually like hypothetically say we get another season of Carnival. Yeah. And that they get the entire cast to come back. Even with other things that Vic has recently done, I don't know if I would still feel like it was the right choice in the end of it, but I wouldn't put it past him because, again, he's a great actor to um, essentially get this. I mean, I've had uh, qualms with him in certain roles, such as in Digimon Adventure Try, where I think he was an awful Matt, but I've also really liked him and stuff as a... like, um, what's his nuts in Garo? Uh, Mendoza. Mendoza. So, I mean, he's got it there, but I do feel like this is one of his weakest his yeah. weakest performances, and it really kind of started a trend of, meh, 
should maybe we should not be making Vic these like fifteen year olds be shown in <laughs> anymore. Maybe we should start letting his range evolve a little bit more because I feel like again this is probably also a little bit of typecasting. Yeah, because he's pretty and younger. Yeah, looking. and I think unfortunately something that didn't really work very well for the show was the marketing of the release. Oh yeah, because it's he's such a big part of it. Yeah, because um, if you. If anyone's ever recalled seeing the trailers for Carnival, uh, apparently one of the big selling points was that it features the voices of Vic Mignogna and J. Michael Tatum. And it said so outright in the trailers. <laughs> and the two of them probably have such smaller roles. It's like, what? <laughs> uh, again, with that logic, I understand the reasoning. I know Oron is a thing. Fullmetal Al Alchemist is a thing. Black Butler's thing. I get it. Not the best marketing strategy, in my opinion. Yeah, really. Highlight some of your other actors, like the gentleman we're moving on to right now. Oh. Um, um, Garaki, who is played by Andrew's, the one person Andrew can ever get right, <laughs> Hiroshi Kamiya. <laughs> Nailed it. Yes. Hey, Andrew, he's also Levi in Attack on Titan, in Akashi, in Kuroko no Basket, which is one of my favorite roles he's ever done, and he's Yato in Noragami. Uh, but he's also played by Greg Ayers, Yay! who plays uh, Takia Abe in Big Windup, Koyuki in Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, and Koski, and this is one specifically I picked for this, was Kosuke Asazuki in Spiral. And I picked that because Garaki and Kosuke share a very, very, and Abe all share one thing in common. Greg doesn't have to use his little boy voice. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. You know how um, a few weeks ago when we were talking about Diabolical Lovers More Blood um, with Ozuna, that it was- How can anybody forget the classic episode that is <laughs> Diabolical Lovers More Blood? No, I'm... Or as Noah calls it, taking an innocent, sweet little show and turning it into Caligula. <laughs> no, but what I mean, like, when we were talking about how Greg, when Gigi talked to him at AB- how Greg enjoyed Azana, Azana because um, it was so different than him playing, like, the perky kid. The same could probably be said here if you were to ask him if I had to take a wild guess at that. Because trend of the night, unconventional casting. This is so different. Extremely different than what you know Greg Ayers and what you normally see him as. And Admittedly, it took, like, maybe an episode or so for me to get into it, and then I really got it, <laughs> and it's it really worked, because Garaki's, god, how old's Garaki? Maybe, like, 16? Garaki's 15, 16 years old? Yeah, so he's- And, and I mean, he does kind of sound like more like an 18 or 19-year-old to me, honestly, but- to, to be fair, yeah, but- at, He gets He it. got it. Like- the personality, the mentality, the struggles that Garaki was going through throughout the whole show. Especially in regards to how lonely this kid is. Yeah. Like, and I think Greg perfect. honestly gets it. Yeah. And a lot of people like to kind of ride, beat Greg up for this role. Yeah. Like, on, like honestly, because, again, my mindset was... The same thing with the Bevins and Yogi thing. I originally only saw the trailer before jumping into the dub, and I was very hesitant on Greg being Garaki. I again, and like I was saying, I get into the show, give it an episode two, and I'm like, I get it because Greg gets it, and it just works so well. 
it's such, again, it's such a different character for him to play. And because he- He's so Sundari. <laughs> yes, he's so fucking Sundari. It's great. Oh, uh, every time the image of Naya as the little animal thing pops up, he's just like- Little Niji Naya. He's like, I actually used that on Hardy because he got me, he got me in a game we were playing on the Funimation form. It's like, ah, damn you. But yeah, like, because- When he picks him up in the snow and like Naya's like flailing around like a little piece of shit, and I'm just like, oh, Naya, you're so cute. Yes. But, um, because Greg understood where Garki was coming from and who Garki was, it made the performance wonder, much more enjoyable for me. And it really worked. And I wonder how much Greg brought in from his own personal life into Garki, because I feel like this is a character that he could really get into because of what Garki goes yeah. through. And I feel like a lot of, like I said, a lot of people really give him shit for this. Mm-hmm. Um... And he's not bad. He's actually really good. And there's a lot of really quiet, nuanced things. And yeah, he sounds a little bit older, but I mean, it's not bad. He emotes. He puts a lot of heart into it. And I feel like sometimes that's enough. And I think Bevan's directed him in a really great way. So I don't have much to add on to that and to what you said. Yeah. Like, honestly, as weird of a casting choice it may seem to people... It works. I'm okay with this. And the, again, a lot of it comes down to Greg understood the character. He understood what he was doing. And and I worked. think he also bounced off of uh, what energy Chris was giving as Yogi, because mm. the two of them are hysterical together, and what Ian was giving as Hiroto. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, when we get to Nai in a second here, what Nai- I was just gonna say, if we want to transition into Nai well, this, yeah. And then you have Nai, who is played by uh, Shawn Michael mm-hmm. Teague, who I mentioned Take, uh, Takia Abe in Big Windup because on the other side, because Takia is the catcher, on the other side is Sean Michael Teague as Ren Mihashi in Big Windup, who Hardy absolutely hates, by the way. Yes. He's also Benvolio in Romeo X Juliet, and one of my personal favorite roles in all of fairy tale, uh, Us- uh, Usuke, who is this crazy fish guy. But it's really funny how I, I went out of my way to actually pick one Bevin show for everybody I could. Yeah. And of all the people that Nye could have been in the Japanese. Oh, He's played by Hiro uh, Shimono, who of all characters, if you can believe it, he's also Genotus in Japan. What? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> what? I'm not kidding. But, uh, I fucking quit. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Have a good night. You can finish this show on your own. No, I'm Okay, no, I will actually. <laughs> no, but no, um, no, you won't. No, but looking over at Sean is nigh. It's a <laughs> I'm gonna say this again. The same thing, the same issue I had originally with Bevins as Yogi and with Greg as Garaki. I saw the trailer. I was so hesitant for Sean as nigh. And then it's, I got it <laughs> when I saw the show. I need to stop being worried when it comes to this kind of shit, especially if it's a Bevan show. Because this is not the first time I've run to a Bevan show I have this fucking problem where I see a trailer and I have problems with it. Damn it. Oh my god. It's just like, Nye is, he gets the like the whole like naivety of Nye mm. because Nye again is an animal. Right. 
I mean, admittedly for me, I it, admittedly for me, uh, with Sean's performance, it was a little obnoxious at first. Um, it is because he he screams yes. and Nye cries yes. a lot. Yes, and it's very it's very high pitched. Um, it is it is a, it is about an octave higher than what I I because I. I went through and kind of played the first few minutes of the commentaries just in case Shawn Michael Teague was on one. And he is on the episode 13 one, so you can hear his normal speaking okay. voice. And it does sound a little bit like Nye, but lower. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, it was it was obnoxious at first. But I think it was around the point where we learned that Nye is actually an animal. Where I got much more comfortable with it and I got more enjoyment out of it after that. But, yeah, I mean, again, with characters and their energy and playing off of each other, Nye is very, very naive, but he's also probably, if anything, if you had to make a comparison, Nye is like a child. Nye's a baby. Nye's a baby. He's a child. So he's learning things for the first time, and it's an interesting perspective because you're essentially seeing the world that Nye sees through a kid's eyes. So that brings a very interesting and different dynamic in terms of his interactions with um, Garaki and Yogi and Jiki is an interesting dynamic too, or Skumo, and it it's played very well. Um, I mean, once you get past that initial hurdle of the obnoxiousness that it is, I think it's really well. It's not one of the strongest or one of my favorite performances of the show, but it's Definitely a very solid performance of anything. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, it is really good, and it's, it's really cute at points too because Nye has these moments where he describes things that aren't the way you would think. Like he describes crying as drowning, and it's very, very sweet and endearing. And I really like that about the character and about Sean's performance about him. Um, I also want 10,000 Niji plushies. Yes. Um, yes. So need, I, I think we need to attempt to track some down at AFES. I don't think- no, I've, always, I've actually looked online for like years and I can't find What? Them. That's oh. depressing. I know. Ugh. Anyway, are you ready to move on to final thoughts? Sure. Alrighty, so final thoughts. This is a really good dub that I think a lot of people like to talk a lot of smack about without understanding it. GG, cough, cough. <laughs> Gigi hates the show. Gigi hates so. the show. But I think that this is a show that's very sweet and very endearing. A little bit nutty, but it's got its heart in the right place. And I think the dub, aside from one character, is really well done and really unexpected. I'm a, I'm I'm kind of a little sad that this one basically flown under the radar and wasn't pick it up on save label, you cheap bastards. Yep. It's one of those shows, like, I can understand the sh like, in terms of the show itself, I can understand why people dislike it, um, personally. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Uh, it's not, like, the most phenomenal thing in the world, but I do enjoy it, and it's a lot of fun. And the dub is one, and this is another reason why this is, I'm sad it's flown under the radar, because this dub has some of the most unconventional casting choices and performances that I've ever seen. Um, probably aside from shows that probably particularly Sunny Strait has directed recently. 
This is mm-hmm. this is probably one of the older ones of the past few years that has some really unconventional casting, and it's really enjoyable because of that. The only downfall, really, that the show has is unfortunately the writing of it, where it's very modernized and very much slanged out. And again, it just really took me out of the show um, whenever it happened, but a lot of the performances were so much fun. Um, especially in terms of standouts for me, I would have to say probably uh, Evans as Yogi, Gabe Matranga as uh, Akari, and probably Greg as Garaki. Those those are at least the standouts to me um, for performances. Oh, Brandon Power as Uro. That's the other one I was thinking. Yeah, Uro. Uro. Those are definitely the standouts to me for um, the show. This is this is one show and one dub that I consider it an underdog of sorts and under underappreciated and the show that doesn't get a lot of love yeah, from fan, the fan base. It's kind of depressing. Um, yeah, honestly, it really it is. is. I'd also uh, give a shout out for Jessica Kavanaugh as Eva mm, yes. and and honestly Tyson as um, mm, yes yes yes. yes. And I'd honestly, I'd give Tyson Reinhardt a little love there as a, a, a Kagani. Yes, I can agree with that too. And obviously Dave and Jerry as Aizana and Akari. And just, just honestly the whole cast. Yeah, honestly. Because as much, again, aside from one person, but even then I would still give him some love. Mm-hmm. They all did a really good job and it was a lot of fun. And it's, it's a dub that you should just check out to say you've checked yeah. out. I mean, if it's not your thing, it's not yeah. your thing. Move on. I, I, um, I, but it, if it is your thing, it's a it's a dub that's really underappreciated. I'm curious to know, and I need to ask her this. I don't know if Gigi actually has seen the dub. I don't think she she wants to, and I wouldn't put her through it because she's not gonna like a lot of it. Probably not. But in terms of writing wise, probably. But I mean, she has admitted to shows where she hates the Japanese, but the dub made it better. Token Rambu, Token Rambu, which you still need to watch. <laughs> Eventually. But yeah, this is this one is one of those ones that's very underappreciated and flown so much under the radar that, I, I, like Megan said, I would give it a try. If it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. We don't blame you for that. Um, every person and their tastes are different. But I had a lot of fun going back and watching this show and seeing the dub for the first time. And... <laughs> it's one of those shows that I've been meaning to get back to, too, and I'm glad that I finally did on this out of nowhere, like, let's do an episode because we need one for next week. <laughs> and we're like, Carnival, let's go. Hey, I mean, if you want to check it out, you can go on to Funimation.com yep. and check it out if you have a paid subscription. Um, honestly, I don't know why you don't have a Funimation Now subscription because it's the best five bucks you can waste. Yeah, I think as of right um, now, the Japanese is still with Funimation. Still it has not. It might migrate. It has not it been potentially could migrate. Yeah, but it has not been transferred or migrated to Crunchyroll at the time of this recording. But it could happen eventually because I know they've been slowly yeah. integrating the old Funimation Jap- titles in the Japanese over to Crunchyroll. Um, Carnival just hasn't been on that list yet. Um. Um, like I said, you can buy it on the save label. If you're interested and you have watched the show and you want to know what happens next, you can pick up the manga from Yen Press. They come into these very obnoxious, very large two-in-one editions. And like I said, if you actually go to the end of every issue, every volume, you actually have something called, uh, Carnival Renal, which is the recording of the drama CDs, 
um, in which you can actually see all of the characters and actually see the original mangaka draw all of your favorite uh, seiyu as uh, as they appear. Um, Rem- if you want to, f- <laughs> say remind me to put Carnival on my. Chill us, bitch. say remind me to put Carnival on my Tobi list for Fest. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Um, so chill yourself, or do you want me to go first because it's your channel? I don't care. I'll go first. My name is Amelia Bandersnatch, and I own a slain slaughterhouses in the southern United and apparently, States. Apparently, and Actually, apparently that joke will never die. Uh, nope, not until I die, <laughs> which is very, which I don't know how long that'll take. Anyway, my name is Megan, and if you enjoy me and my shit posting in real life, you should follow me at QueenEra2 on Twitter, where I basically retweet things, cry about stuff, and post pictures of my cat named Shinya. And if you're interested- This is my wife. <laughs> my, my wife. <laughs> my wife. My wife. Um, and if you're any of, and if you're interested in the if you're interested in any of the shenanigans that I get myself into, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled, of course, as R-E-V-U-E, like a musical review, um, where I usually just talk about how shit my day usually is. Because <laughs> usually that's what I talk about, because it's busy as shit. But I'm excited because at the time this episode will go up, I actually start a new position in the company I work for this week, so I'm excited. So that'll be a new adventure for me. Um... But if you're interested in anything else from the Dove Talk crew, you can of course uh, subscribe here to YouTube where we post episodes every week. Um, and currently, as of right now, at least for the summer, we are posting our Summer at the Movies episodes as well. At the time of this recording, or well, at the time of this episode's release, uh, this week you will be seeing One Piece Film Gold with Andrew Renzetta. So look forward to that this week. Um, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Dubtalk Podcast. You can also follow us on Tumblr and Instagram at Dubtalk Podcast as well. Oh god, is this the podcast that goes up the week before Anime Fest? No, it is not. No, because this week was Soccer Quest. Next week is a race. No, next week is Carnival. I thought. Oh, never mind. Uh, speaking of speaking carnival, then speaking a race. of a race, at the time of recording this episode, the boys are recording uh, a race on Sunday. So you'll probably be seeing that episode the following week or so. So look forward and to that. Now I have to watch. Uh, I believe now I have to watch Ping uh, Pong for our yes. So yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> but otherwise than that, we should be all set for today. Well, this was a fun adventure that I did not expect the last two hours. Well, I mean, it's been a while since it's just been you and I. I think since Terran mm-hmm. Residence. Yeah, since Terran Residence, actually. Of all the Chris Bevins bringing bringing wives together. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Anyways. Disclaimer, we're not actually dating, guys. No. Calm down. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that, I don't, not I don't gay. swing that way. Yeah, she's not gay, guys. We're just really good friends. But anyways, that's it for us. That was fun. Back to the Airship 3. What would a robot animal be? Ooh, because we have, what? Airship 1 has the bunnies, sheep? Airship 2 has the sheep. Airship 2 has the sheep. Oh, that's an easy one. Go. We'd be cats. What are you talking about? That's right. We'd have little robot cats that would go. Nyah. I was like, why am I overthinking it? We'd be fucking cats. cats. <laughs> anyway, have a good night, guys. I'm talking a lot, my friends. <laughs>